This is a Glass Box Media Podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello and welcome to The Blank Podcast, the podcast where we delve into those difficult moments with some well-known guests. I'm Giles Paley-Phillips and with me is Miranda Jim Daly. <laughs> I need to change the... did this in the last episode, I need to change the name on my... Nah, just keep it. I think it you gets who I am. people guessing when they, know they who come I am. on and they think, oh, oh he's... Miranda's <laughs> normally <laughs> a girl's name, but who knows? Hey, could be... Well... I, know, I knew a boy called Stacy... Well, there's a famous actor and playwright, Lynn Manuel Miranda. Oh well, of course. So you know, it could be, any, and and the, you know, we can, we, Giles, we can be whatever we want. It could be your surname as well, couldn't it? You could be Jim Miranda. Jim Miranda is a much better name than Jim Daly. Or you could use your confirmation name, Santiago. <laughs> Santiago. <laughs> I could do. Hey, I've got options. I've got a lot of options now for when I inevitably rebrand as a more successful comedian mm. you know, initially I was nearly my stage name because obviously my real name is James Daly not Jim and Jim sort of became a rebranding while doing comedy although it's been stuck mm. and people it's more funny it. isn't it I think James is more serious it's that's your actor Daly, name should be James Daly sounds like a sort of I would say like a 17th century Irish playwright or, or poet whereas Jim Daly sounds like your funny mate from down the pub mm-hmm. but I nearly went with Jim Little because on the course that we did, I did a stand-up course right at the start where I met Miranda, actually. We met on the stand-up comedy course in London. There were two Jims. There was me and a guy called Jim Trevor, who actually was a lot funnier than me. I'm, I'm the only person from that course still doing stand-up. And he was very tall, and I was at my average height, 5'11". And so on the course, we were known as Big Jim and Little Jim. And so mm. literally for the eight weeks of that course, I was Little Jim. So I actually thought at the end, when I started like do gigging, I might call myself Jim Little. But in hindsight, I don't think that's a very good name. So I'm glad that I've stuck with my actual name. Well, you could have been Little Jim Daly. I could have been. But again, that sounds a bit, that almost sounds a bit circus. 
little Jim, like I'm going to come out and do some sort of like backflips or something. So little Jim sounds like the sort of it's a character from a Dickens play. I mean, it also uh, sounds Dickens like book, you know, the nickname yeah. I might give my penis as well. So I think I just avoid little it. Little Jim. Just avoid it in general. Yeah, I think, yeah. Anyway, how are you? Wouldn't call yourself Little Jim. <laughs> I'm Big Jim and here's Little Jim. Exactly. Um, exactly. How am I? Yeah, I'm okay. Recovered from the, the fall I took, if anyone was listening to the last episode. Are, um, are you fully recovered? Not fully, but better. Are you emotionally recovered? No, I'll never get over it. <laughs> I will never. Will you go, will never you go down moments. there again? Oh, yeah, yeah. I've got, yeah. I mean, I want to retrace my steps. Yeah. So that it's not, you know, I don't want. face your, not fear, but, you know. Yeah, I, I don't want it to linger in my mind for too long, really. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I'm going to try and head down there as soon as possible. Good. Uh, yeah. Yeah, sooner rather than later, I think. Would be. Yeah, I think so, yeah. Um, but I'm glad that you're sort of back on your feet and feeling feeling okay mm. um before we crack on with this week's guest and we've got a fantastic guest i mean the incredibly successful and recognizable matthew horn um and this is a really great this episode goes to a lot of random places it does it? it does more yeah. so than i think than a lot of episodes and we and we rightfully got the piss taken out of us at, <laughs> at, at frequent moments i really like um, that as well i actually i like it when guests come on because it means they feel comfortable enough to yeah. laugh and joke with us and matthew was doing that from the off which was really nice and also a very funny guy so having someone that sharp and quick it was yeah. it was good there's a lot of big laughs in this episode actually which is lovely um so yeah but before we do that i think we should read some tweets out we certainly should read some tweets because i love receiving our tweets so um and i appreciate all our lovely listeners sending us tweets all the time and they're always very lovely but we literally never get trolled <laughs> we, we, i think we're the only people on the internet that never mm. get oh really okay I've not no seen no it. from no no i was gonna say from now <laughs> <laughs> from now yeah yeah you've just the, the floodgates are open but we don't we just don't and... we don't have listeners like that charles we just don't no no we're very lucky literally we don't yeah we, we've cultivated no. a very friendly following so we're very we lucky have. Um, um, i've okay. got a tweet here from robin kappa he says how did i not know about blank pod <gasps> Thanks for the follow. 100 episodes and number 100 was my first listen. Ooh. Brilliant. And lots added to my catch-up playlist. So thanks, Robin. That's well, a lovely message. And good luck, good luck going through all the uh, <laughs> yeah. previous 99 episodes. You might want to set aside quite a lot of time. Get get the kettle on. That's yeah. gonna take. But, but thank you for joining us. You know, it's nice. Yeah. I like getting these tweets from people that have sort of just joined us because uh, it means obviously we're getting out there and people are discovering us. And I like... The fact that they can then go back and listen to... I mean, we've got some amazing, over 100 amazing episodes. So, you know, Robin, enjoy those. I know you will. Um, I've got one here from Tara Talks, who says, In the last 24 hours, I finished It's a Sin. Oh, the new Russell T. Davis show. Oh, I, I'm two yeah. episodes into it already. It is it is fantastic. I can't wait to finish it. Um, Tara says she's done that. She's filled in some online forms for something and listened to the Fab Blank pod uh, listen to the one with the fantastic Carrie Hope Fletcher, as I love musicals with talk about introvert, extrovert and self-care. Yes, that was a fantastic episode with with Carrie Hope Fletcher. What a guest. Oh, I love Carrie. She's so good and such a lovely person as well. And uh, yeah, it was a brilliant time. And again, if you like musicals and theatre, you probably won't find a better episode on our, on our back catalogue. I mean, she is an expert. And I've also got another one, Charles. I'm going to do another one, if that's mm, okay. Of course. From Mel Sully. And she's started by quoting Michael Rosen, one of our favourite 
people in the entire world. She put, Michael Rosen, you totally rock. I, I agree, Mel. Ignore those that choose to make up your personality, values and experience. I particularly loved your Blank Pod episode with Charles and Jim. Yes, Michael is uh, an inspiration. Yeah, wonderful man. And such great anecdotes. Yeah. Such as, well, you know, he's a storyteller by yes. trade. Yeah. But, you know, he, he can, uh, he's a great orator as well. So, yeah. yeah it's brilliant to talk to him. That was our second or third episode, I think. Yeah. Back in the we, day. St- we hit the ground running, I have to say. And I think, you know, it might sound like self-aggrandizing reading these lovely tweets every week, but, you know, sometimes I think we should give ourselves a pat mm. on the back. I totally agree. But also it, it's it's a way of us showing our appreciation to our listeners. You know, they take the time to send us these lovely tweets. And so I like yeah. to kind of show that we do appreciate them. Um, and yeah, it's just lovely to receive. It's lovely to know people enjoying the pods and... Um, yeah, you know, at the moment we're all stuck inside, so this this connection and communication online is what's keeping us mm. going. And honestly, if I'm having a bad day, I'll open up the uh, my tweet deck and look at the replies to blank, and it just perks me up seeing these nice yeah, messages. So please do keep them coming. Um, we do appreciate it. Someone else we appreciate is the wonderful Matthew Horn. Shall we crack on with his episode because this is a big one? Well, we should. It's uh, it's a really great episode. It was lovely to talk to Matthew. I mean, obviously, highly very prolific actor he's been obviously well very well known for gavin and stacy which we did not mm. talk about actually in, in you know so if you're w- hoping for a gavin and stacy yeah. fest um that's that um, unfortunately you won't hear much about that but we wanted to talk to you know uh matthew about his obviously his early career where he you know did stand up and did edinburgh fringe while he was doing a drama degree at manchester and then he um started collaborating with Catherine tate and then Obviously, he got well known for doing her show on TV eventually. And, but, uh, you know, Matthew's done a whole, he has a whole body of work, which is fantastic. And he's done a lot of uh, theatre work, which I know he enjoys very much. And we did talk about that as well. Yeah. And also his his, his approach to sort of lockdown, um, his approach to his career in general. And it's really quite refreshing, actually, some of the things he talks about, the way he approaches work and life. So I think I think you get a lot out of this episode. Uh, so let's just mm. delve straight into it. I say straight into it. We've been chatting for five minutes already. But anyway, uh, here is the wonderful Matthew Horn. On the Black Podcast. Well, the first thing that I think, well, we was kind of talking off air about football, but I, I, I was wondering, because you're from Nottingham originally, right? How did you end up supporting Tottenham Hotspur? I was aged seven and uh, it was coming up to Christmas and my father who's a lifelong Notts County fan uh asked me uh if I wanted a football kit for Christmas and I said yes of course because it's all I really remember from my childhood is playing football and having food to survive (laughs) but that was sort of all I remember was playing football um but I didn't have a team and my father you know um to his credit didn't force me to support anybody and so he asked me what kit I would like. So I sort of thumbed through my near complete 1986 Panini sticker album. Other sticker albums are available. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I don't think they are anymore. Um, and um, uh, yeah, I chose the, the Tottenham. It was the um, Hummel with the arrows. Oh yeah, it was nice. With the, with the Holston, yeah. 1986, so. Um, yeah, and then I, um, 
then I, yeah, I got the full the full kit, but with the away shorts, which was a nice touch. Oh. So there was the white shirt, and it was the navy, and then the white socks. But I got the white shorts. Oh, okay. So yeah, I mean, the purity in that. There is a purity in that, and it was just slight. I mean, obviously, at that age, everybody wanted the long sleeve versions, but yes, yeah. you know, I did. Um, well. Yeah, yeah, everybody wanted the long sleeve, and I now have the replica version of that shirt yeah. in long sleeve, so I have fulfilled that. Um, but one thing, one thing I did note because I, I did actually did an interview for for uh, Sky Sports. Other broadcasters are available uh, the other day to talk about to talk about Tottenham and deadline day, and um, and uh, yeah, yeah, we were talking uh, we were talking about this this very thing and this shirt, and it occurred to me that um, the, the the price of replica shirts has not altered in. As lo- in my lifetime, they've always been phenomenally expensive mm. for something that probably costs about 50p to make, if yeah. that. Yeah. It's extraordinary, isn't it? I mean, I think replica shirts are, what, 50 quid now? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, more. Yeah, yeah. It's and if, like me, you've, you, you, you always will be and always have been a full kit wanker, you want the <laughs> whole thing. <laughs> I'm assuming you can bleep that out. Uh, and, you know... <laughs> And I would walk around in the full kit with uh, with my shinnies in, you know, Jack Grealish style. Oh yeah, socks rolled down, socks rolled like down, shinnies <laughs> out. Yeah, old shin yeah. pads slid in there. Well, I think Jim, you should sort of slightly change, move your camera to reveal the room oh. that you're in because I know that you've um, got quite a sizable collection of shirts in there. Oh, this oh is, yeah, this is just a small selection of my. Uh, my, I'm a bit obsessed with football shirts, actually. I think I might have a slight obsession. Because I'm thinking there's like there's there might be like thousands of pounds worth of These, there are, a lot there. of them are replicas. I think they're not sort of genuine. But this, I do the oldest one I have is the Crystal Palace '97 '98 huh. shirt from when mm. we were in the Premier League. Oh, that's that's um Hopkins Curls one era. Hopkins Curls one, and I've got probably one of those random '90s footballers you'll ever see on the back of the shirt, Mark Edworthy. <laughs> And why not? Exactly. Why not? Even Palace well, fans around the world are going, yeah, Mark <laughs> Who? <laughs> uh, he was uh, quite good for us. He had very 90s curtains. He had yeah. like proper curtains at the time, but um, he, he did okay for us, actually. I assume you, you're aware of that store off Brick Lane that sells replica shirts. Is that Opposite classic, Rough Trade. Classic Rough Trade Records. Classic football shirts? Or? Yeah, have you been in? No, they, I think they've got another one in uh, Soho in Central. Uh, yeah, I, it's, know, I uh, I'm slightly worried of what I might do if I get in. Get in yeah, I, I, I would advise you looking at your your collection. I would advise you not to go in because <laughs> there there's a lot. There are a lot of shirts and they are phenomenally expensive. Yes, um, yeah. it's like old band t-shirts. You know, um, if you look on on eBay at, at original band t-shirts from like the 90s or the 80s, you know, they're like. It can be five hundred pounds, you know. Wow! And and yeah, I just wish I'd kept all my my band t-shirts from the Britpop era because they're going for sort of three hundred, four hundred quid, and I definitely do not fit in them anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I actually had a bit of a feud with the lead singer of a mid two thousands sort of alternative band called Los Campesinos. And if you oh yeah, I remember them. Yeah, because the lead singer was selling a couple of his old band t-shirts on twitter and i thought i'll buy them for him sent him paypal him like 20 quid whatever and he only sent me one 
And then I messaged him. I was like, mate, I've only got one. He's like, oh, no, sorry, I'll send the other one. Never turned up. So they went from one of my favourite bands to one of my most hated bands just because of that lead singer. That How much show. was it? 20 quid? It's like 20 quid or something, yeah. Oh, 10 man. quid each or something, but... What a wanker. Be... <laughs> Unacceptable. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> Dear, Los Campesinos, yeah. I don't Incredible. remember them. What kind of... They were like... I don't think many people do. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Hence why he's selling off his wares on uh, on Twitter. <laughs> I thought they were quite good at the time, but yeah, no, I, I can't get past that for me. That's, that's... They were, um, they were, there was quite a lot of them, weren't there? I mean, not sort of polyphonic spree level, but there was no. a lot of them. <laughs> they were, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, they were, um, yeah, they're, the, they're divid- okay. dividing up the, 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 the make the, the the money they've made off that t-shirt is going to be quite tricky maybe. yeah i mean i'll tell you what though speaking of polyphonic spree they they must have had a rough year in the pandemic i know there's a lot of artists complaining at the moment yeah, but yeah. let's all spare a thought for the polyphonic spree <laughs> yeah i mean that's, all that's 60 Spotify, buddy, is <laughs> that is one chaotic zoom <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, bless them but back, just going back to that um, the football game, you did play for a bit, didn't you? Were, am I right in thinking you were a goalkeeper? Uh, yes, I was. Uh, uh, I played for Notts County Juniors, um, and I was p- part of their school of excellence. So I was scouted when I was eleven, ten or eleven, um, and at that time. Uh, their school of excellence was a feeder for Lillishaw, the England. Oh wow! Training. Yeah, yeah, and um, so I was sort of on that road really um and played from under 11s to under 14s but i was a keeper um and i played for my school as well and played for my county um as well as Notts county juniors but when it got to 14 it sort of became clear that i wasn't going to be any taller than five foot seven so i didn't think it was really the um the profession for me so i i sort of left it behind well I left goalkeeping behind I then moved into um centre midfield but I, that wasn't an option at um, at that level that was only for school and my county mm. but yeah I saw I, I did I was on that road and I did play a, a lot and um I was yeah it was a big part of my childhood. And then when I went to university, I sort of left football behind for three years. I, mm. I think a, a lot of people are the same. I don't know why. Um, but yeah, I sort of left it behind and then only really picked it up again in my 20s. But it, I've, always been, I've always been Tottenham, yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, though, because were you doing acting at school, though? Because, I mean, obviously, if you're into football, generally, like you're, especially if you're playing at a high level, you're really into it, like you're not into anything else almost. Were you, mm. when did the acting thing sort of start coming? Or, or I, I know you did comedy as well, but we can talk about that later. But I know what the sort of the, the performance stuff. Yeah, I was acting. I mean, my earliest, me- well, my earliest memory of acting is playing King Herod aged five. But, but really, <laughs> in terms of, yes, a villain, yeah. Um, uh, but then my, my earliest memory of comedy acting was age nine doing a sketch which I'd, uh, I'd I say written, conceived um, <laughs> for as part of some sort of show at primary school. And so, yeah, I'd always performed and I performed throughout comprehensive school. 
um, and then went on to do a drama degree. But it wasn't necessarily, uh, it certainly wasn't a vocational course. So it wasn't training for an actor. Um, but I sort of left football behind and decided that I should pursue that in some form. It wasn't until I was 19, I think, that I decided that I wanted to be an actor. Um, so, yeah, I've always sort of been performing from very young, but um, it's always ran in tandem with my passion for football mm. and and music as well. But I never wanted to be a musician. Um, I just want, uh, and still today, I, I wouldn't want to be a musician. Um, I just want to be like a groupie and a fanboy. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> so you never learned an instrument? Or try, I, can play the, I can play the drums a little bit and I sort of know how a piano works. Um, but no, I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm not trained. Uh, drum, um, drum I wasn't, uh, they, they are, but I'm, I'm I d- from well. a very working class background and we didn't have a house big enough for a drum kit or, uh, or parents patient enough for a son <laughs> with a drum kit. And, um, so I just used to play in the music department and stuff, uh, when I was, uh, when I was at school, but, um, yeah. And now yeah. I'm now like a, like any true, um, middle-aged music fan and um, making electronica on logic on my uh, <laughs> fruit loops got fruit loops up <laughs> yeah 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 oh, well we, we need to hear that alongside the marge simpson impression at the end. I, I mean i can listen uh, the marge simpson impression yeah i mean that's another thing i've been working on my album and my marge simpson impression <laughs> um yeah i mean it's very very bored of canada but um just think more bored in camden um, so yeah, uh, that's kind of where I've been at during lockdown, um, and where I'm at in my sort of musical output. <laughs> so was there so was there support from parents and stuff with what you wanted to pursue when it came to that kind of stuff? Yeah, very much so. My mother and father were were very supportive um, in the sense that they were very happy for me to pursue whatever I was passionate about. And for that, I am truly uh, thankful for. Um, So, yeah, it was, there were never any obstacles. I was never told to go and be a dentist. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, which is really, uh, I feel very, very fortunate that I didn't have that um, pressure. I was allowed to follow, follow my dreams, as Mm. they say. Well, I was going to say, but I mean, obviously, like being a footballer uh, and going into acting, they're both incredibly sort of difficult and um, uh, challenging kind of careers to sort of uh, get into in the first place, but also to continue to to do afterwards as well. And, and I know when you went to uh, you went to Manchester University and did uh, your drama degree, yeah, but you did get into comedy as well. And I, I hadn't realised that you'd done stand up and. You, I know you've done Andy Burr and Fridge and stuff like that as well. How did that come about? I was, um, well, I was sort of in my, I think it was my penultimate, yeah, my second year of university doing a drama and film studies degree at Manchester. And um, I was doing plays on an a extracurricular basis. Um, and my dear friend, uh, Bruce McKinnon, who I met at university, 
Mm. Um, I was, we, we were very close and we had a very similar um, sensibility towards television comedy. And um, we decided one day to form a double act and try stand-up. And this was, uh, I believe, February 2000. It may have been earlier. Uh, February 2000, I think. And right from our first gig, it just um, it was just off like a rocket. It was just it just soared. And you know, I remember being on a plane to um, Edinburgh to the festival um, with Bruce to go and do one of the. Um, uh, competitions because so there used to be a, a Channel Four So You Think You're Funny competition and a, a Daily Telegraph Open Mic Award competition, and I remember being on the plane going up to do our semi-finals in Edinburgh for those for for those competitions, and you know we were supposed to be in an exam doing our finals. So, <laughs> uh, and we you know we both sort of did the normal thing that you do if you do a. Um, a more academic-based drama degree, which is to apply for drama school afterwards. And we, we did that, but the stand-up was going so well at that point that um, I sort of felt, I sort of knew that um, that if I was going to be an actor, that this was going to be my route into it. And although unorthodox, I felt instinctively that um, this was the right path for me. And so I ended up turning down my place at drama school um and um and the rest is history yeah that's quite a bold move to make at that was age a bold move and i am very I, i'm i constantly question my formative decisions <laughs> because i think they seem seem to be all so baseless um it's just it's working on instinct you yeah. know um and i suppose um that's that's the way i approach my work now is is on instinct I'm not saying I'm not reasonably well educated, but um, I tend to go with my gut. And I suppose if you feel like you've had a a good, honest, decent upbringing, then you should trust your gut. And mm. I feel like that. We we spoke about that on a very recent episode, actually, about trusting your gut and um, how ninety nine point nine percent actually fuck it a hundred times hundred percent it tends to be right and we often ignore it we can often ignore it but it sounds like you're someone that actually is quite sort of in tune with it and will follow it yeah i am um because it's sort of it's sort of worked out okay so far um the, the, i've never been particularly ambitious um, I don't have any goals per se. I never have, certainly career-wise. Um, and I've also been fortunate enough professionally not to experience the feeling of jealousy, which I think is an incredibly mm. uh, destructive emotion, Absolutely. but one that is very rife amongst particularly uh, actors, but um, a lot of sectors in the arts. Mm. Um so I've been very fortunate not to experience that professionally. Personally, it's a different matter. <laughs> uh, but, um, <laughs> you know, not having that very um, ruthless, um, 
ambitious drive to achieve a certain goal. I, you know, for example, win a BAFTA by the time I'm 45 or blah, 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 whatever. Um, it means that I'm just sort of relying on uh, just my instinct and, and what I think is right. And it's, it uh, seems to be that the the gods are with me, if you like. So I'm very, very grateful for that. And I, yeah, I think, as I said earlier, it's, I think it's probably a, a decent upbringing. Mm. So does, does that mean... I mean decent in the sense of honest and yeah. well-rounded. And grounded, yeah. I guess, as well. Grounded. I mean, I have this theory because I'm from Nottingham. Nottingham is a city which is in this country, in England, is the furthest city from the sea, oh, yeah. from any sea. Yeah. And so I think Nottingham produces very well-rounded, grounded people because they're so far from the edge. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. I mean, That's that is <laughs> one of the most pretentious things you could ever think. <laughs> We'll go with it though, because that sounds great. <laughs> but that's—can I just say, as a, as a wildly unsuccessful comedian, how, how do you? How do I get to be not jealous of people? Because honestly, that is one of my like overriding emotions, and it is incredibly difficult to switch it off. What you have to do um, is is know and realize and acknowledge that there will always be people that are better than you, and always be people that are not as good as you. And there will always be people who have more success than you and always be people that will have less success than you. And then you should be okay. Yeah. That's... <laughs> actually, when you put it's, it like that, It's actually, about yeah. you doing you, isn't yeah. it? You know, I mean, it's something that comes up a lot on the pod as well, that, you know, you have to do you and... Did you just say you really, do you? Yeah, you do you. Oh, is, wow. that, is that? Uh, why don't we rename this podcast Live, Laugh, Love? <laughs> Prince, what you said about Nottingham also, into complete context. And also, when is Prosecco time? <laughs> um, every time is Prosecco time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, no, I um, love that. I love that. I think it's just, I think it's because you live on the South Coast. Yeah. I think it's I think it is. I think you're right. You're not in a metropolitan environment anymore. Oh, no. It's done next to you. I'm right on the edge, That's Matt. The thing. Thing. He's I'm right on the, the edge. edge. <laughs> 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 I don't think, Charles, in a hundred and whatever episodes, I don't think you've ever said you do you before, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's going to become a staple <laughs> thing now, so. <laughs> I, uh, now I it's like been it. ridiculed this much. Uh, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah so I did sort of pound on that. I do apologise. <laughs> no, it's fine. I, I deserve it. Um, but yeah, but no, I think it is. It's a case of you know looking at what you're doing, and and I know it's it very hard. difficult. I yeah. mean, you know, well, especially when you know, so we've got social media and all these other things that where we comparison is a, a daily, mm. uh, a daily occurrence, isn't it? You yeah, know, but it's also can... deeply insidious comparison. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm very, very dangerous to one's mental health yeah. and soul. Yeah. Uh, can, it's so destructive comparison uh, because comparison leads to jealousy, and it's. I may be wrong here um, because I'm no scientific ph philanthropist, but I believe that jealousy is unique to human beings as an emotion. I, 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 believe, I can believe that. I yeah, may be I wrong. Um, you've had some people who are much more erudite on this subject on your podcast, so 
um, probably defer to them. But I think it's something that is very unique to human beings and it's um, very, very destructive. Quite why, quite why we would evolve with such yeah. a... Um, such an emotion which is so so destructive I don't know you can't know. imagine sort of one elephant looking at the other elephant going fucking hell Steve's nose is so much longer than mine so I want that Steve's is, nose yeah. it's well annoying yeah it just wouldn't happen yeah actually I mean that's just made my day that someone has referred to uh, an elephant's trunk as his nose <laughs> yeah exactly I was thinking that <laughs> as well absolutely extraordinary maybe this has already become with you do you and don't call it a trunk, call it a nose. It's already, this has already been my favourite well, <laughs> well, I was I was channelling an elephant, and, and who's to say that elephants don't call them noses? We don't know that. They might do. Well, <laughs> I, mean, I thought this podcast was all about your mind going, but you guys seem to come up with all sorts of shit. We just do what we want. <laughs> yeah. We just do whatever we want. And then we call it a blank moment, and that's how the pod works. Yeah, you just say anything. <laughs> We, we leave we leave moment. all the crap in to be honest, Matt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh dear. Uh, You're bringing yes. it out of us, Matthew. I'm not. I don't normally talk oh, about elephant noses so. or sorry trunks, but yeah. there, we, there we go. <laughs> <clears throat> oh dear. But I mean, I was good, sorry going back to the, the, so the you got kind of quite a lot of success quite quick with regards to the comedy. You were doing well at Edinburgh, things like that. I mean. Jim will uh, adhere to being someone who's been to Edinburgh many years and mm. perhaps not always had the success that you might have <laughs> diplomatic, or hoped you. for. <laughs> but it's a tough, you know, it's yeah. tough going up to places like Edinburgh and, and, and trying to make it because, you know, there's so many people doing it. It's very, very hard. But 20 years ago, it's very different to how it is now. Mm. Very, very different. It's like a corporate expo now. And... There, there are so many shows. I, I directed a, a comedian's show about four years ago now. Um, and um, I think that year that she was playing, there was something like 900 comedy shows. Oh, that's not, I mean, it's just unworkable to, to make any kind of mark, really, unless you have a, a big PR drive behind you, a big, big PR team. Yeah. Um, it doesn't matter whether you're good or not, really, in that circumstance, under those circumstances. It's just about who can make the most noise. Um, 20 years ago, it was different. It felt very cliquey. I mean, mm. and I don't know whether it was the year, but I'm, you know, going back to the, the competition finals we were talking about. Um, we were in the final with, Jimmy Carr, Alan Carr, Russell Brand, Carl Theobald. Wow. So it was it was all those people, yeah. you know. Mm. And um, obviously, for that reason, we, we didn't win. <laughs> Although I don't think we came third in So You Think You're Funny. That's anyway. decent. It's quite, yeah, a decent. Ho- it's quite a cohort, isn't it? Oh, yeah, that's quite, yeah, that's quite a group. Um, and it's just not like that now. It's just not like that. Edinburgh's not the same anymore, but... But yeah, sorry, going back to your original point, it is tough. It is really, really tough. Doing stand-up is really tough, but it, wow, does it stand you in good stead if you want to be a performer, if you want to be an actor. I mean, there's no, it's it's no accident that some of the biggest actors in the States started as stand-ups, you know, Um, from Eddie Murphy to Steve Martin to Will Ferrell, you know. Um, That... That there is a reason that they're so successful is because they learn their craft doing stand-up 
Um, now, as I said, I'm not ambitious, so I don't aspire to have their success. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't mind their bank accounts. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, it is amazing training. And I think there's something about the age as well. I mean, I was 20 years old mm. and there was something about being that age where I think as you get older, you become more inhibited somehow for some yeah, reason. Yeah. I don't know why. Uh, again, this is probably something to ask Louis Theroux. <laughs> um, but I, I think it's, um, yeah, I think at 20, you just think, well, I'll give it a go. Also, during that time, so the late 90s, Manchester was a really fantastic place to be in the arts. It was very unlike London in many ways, where I think London was just hitting that point where you could have a go, but if you failed, it's over. Mm. But Manchester was very much like, you can give it a go, and if you fail, we'll give you another go. Mm. And there was an atmosphere of that in the arts in Manchester. And, you know, we were playing the pubs and the clubs and across, you know, Greater Manchester, you know, some pretty, pretty rough places. And bearing in mind, Bruce, my double act partner, is, um, went to Eton and uh, is from Surrey. These two kids coming in and playing these clubs was was a baptism of fire for us as performers. Um, but we were, on the whole, welcomed. Mm. And I think the atmosphere at that time in Manchester was was kind of... was um, I suppose it was a residual atmosphere from the early 90s music scene, uh, the baggy scene mm. and the the cultural impact that Manchester had in the early 90s. It was still sort of living on that, on that high. Because, I mean, that's that idea of failing and then being allowed to come back, or even just coming back anyway, for me is the one thing that drives sort of my performing career, and that's resilience. That's pretty much the thing that keeps yeah. me going, is if, if I have a bad week, a bad month, a bad year, I'm still going to keep coming and going. Because to me, you're talking about those comedians that started in the States. They kept resilience is what keeps you doing stand-up and then I guess that's what then bleeds into the rest of your performance career because really that's the only skill you need is just to keep keep going keep trying yeah I think resilience is a really good word for it but also tenacity yeah. moving forward being tenacious is is really important and adapting with tenacity and resilience to um, whatever you want to achieve or or whatever is thrown your way, you know. I think that's really important. But as a human being and as a, a professional, I suppose. Yeah, I totally agree. Did you... I was going to say, did you feel... Like you said about it being a good training ground for you, for, as for your you know, your further career in acting. Mm. Did you feel that at the time? Or was that something you're reflecting on now, that it was good training? I didn't know what I was doing at the time. <laughs> I, was, I, I just... It felt right, Um I was performing material that I'd written and people were laughing. I was just living in the moment. As I said, it wasn't a strategy. <laughs> I didn't think, okay, I'm going to do stand-up and that's my way in. Mm. Um, I had got a backup. I'd got a place at drama school. Um, I would have been okay retraining, retraining and being a geography teacher, but it just felt right. And um, I just went with it. 
because my gut told me that it was right. You see, my gut told me to turn down the place at drama school. Mm. Um, it's just not a, a humble brag at all, but I was offered quite a lot of money as a scholarship at a quite a big London drama school. But I had to make the decision to turn that down. And it was quite a lot of money to go to that drama school. And, um, but I just did it on instinct and I don't regret it because three years later or two years, two years later, well, while I, whilst I would have been at that drama school, I was playing a lead in the Channel 4 show. Um, so I knew that that was the right decision. So uh, you sort of saying earlier about not having too much ambition. So if things hadn't worked out the way they had, and obviously they've worked out fantastically, yeah. would you have been okay with that? I don't know. <laughs> it's impossible to say whether I'd been okay with it. I don't know. As I, you know, I, I sort of half-heartedly joke that I would have been happy being a geography teacher, but um, I don't know whether that would have been an option for me. Yeah. Um, I feel like someone is watching over me and I feel incredibly grateful for the career that I've had. Yeah. I look forward to what's in the future, you know, and that's sort of my, been my mindset for the last 20 years. So I was going to stick with that. I think that's a good idea. I mean, it's worked well so far. So why, <laughs> why deviate? <laughs> uh, so I know you were famously kind of, you know, you, you've, talked about this quite a lot and you, you were sort of spotted by Catherine Tate when you were doing the Edinburgh shows and then obviously yeah. you went on to work with her for, for a number of years did you did you know at the time that she was going to you were what she was doing was something special and that you were going to be doing something that was going to sort of propel you further no was it just I, the idea of something exciting to work on I wasn't aware I mean obviously her her talent was um, very, very evident from the moment you saw her. Um, but I wasn't aware that it, you know, that show would lead to a sketch show and I'd end up writing on it and working on it and then going on tour with it and even last year shooting the um, Warner Brothers movie version of it of um, the Nan character. So, yeah, that's sort of... That, that was never in my head that I would be there, or that that would lead to that. But, um, again, I'm very grateful for it. It was very, very unusual circumstances. She was doing her show and doing some of the characters that you see from the TV show um, as a live show with one other actor... Um, that she was at drama school with. And he played all the sort of stooge parts, if you like. And then he got a job touring for the RSC for the... I think he had to start missing the last four or five dates of Catherine's run in Edinburgh. Mm -hmm. And um, her agent said to her, what, what are you going to do? Are you going to pull the show? Or, you know, are you going to try and get someone else in? And she said... She'd seen at mine and Bruce's show and she said, oh, can you, I saw these guys show, can you ask them? And then we just got approached by their agent, by her agent, who then became our agent. And um, 
we'd learnt the lines and did and divided the roles up and did the last five shows and then she sort of kept us on for the for for everything else that happened afterwards. So it was very fortuitous, really. Um, and uh, I literally just before I was recording this, I was speaking to Catherine and because um, she wants to talk about some work thing and um yeah when i look back you know this is it's it'll be 20 years next year since i first met her wow which is extraordinary as i continually deal with um the passing of time as a concept as a approach 43 this year very odd very odd isn't it well, I'm already 43. The passing of time, though, isn't it an odd thing? Oh, the passing mm. of time, yeah. I mean, I, I don't... Oh, what is that? I don't feel 43. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I know they say age is just a number, but the the fact that, um, you know, you're talking about these, obviously we're reminiscing on, you know, those times when you're in your early 20s. In, in my early 20s, I was, I was playing in bands and touring and, you know, it feels like someone else's life almost. Yeah. Um, what's that? There's that quote, isn't there? Like, um, the past is a foreign country and it does feel like that sometimes mm. like it's i can't understand it i can't comprehend being that age but i can't comprehend being this age yeah i mean age it is is just a number um apart from the fact that it's also a, an absolute horror <laughs> show <laughs> i mean what you know when i hit 42 what is that i mean just one question how actually two why <laughs> It's <laughs> just bizarre. Charles, you're really putting all the quotes out today. <laughs> I know. The past is a foreign country. <laughs> yeah. You do you. I mean, what's next? I can't wait to see what the next quote yeah, is. Yeah. Well, I think past is a foreign country is better than you do you, I have to say. I yeah, yeah. Game you, a little bit. Yeah, you do you. It's a real shocker. <laughs> That's a real low moment. Yeah, uh, uh, I, I hope uh, you keep it in. Oh, we keep everything in. Oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't make edits. Yeah, we leave all the all the all the shit bits to stay in. Um, um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think um, yeah, the age is a, is a funny thing. I know uh, I know you're a few years younger than. Um, well, I, I was just looking um, at you guys because I'm, I'm 36 and a half, and I was just looking at you guys thinking you're both seven years older than me. You look so much better. I, you know, you can look at yourself on a Zoom call. I think, oh my god, I look so old. You both look a lot yeah, fresher than just, me, darling. Darling, you've just been acting. <laughs> you've just been yeah, acting. exactly. I was yeah. helping your partner act. True. As I said, the range <laughs> I did as well. Was, I'm not sure you know, I do with my grey, my grey really... hair and um, uh, yeah, sort of twizzly beard. I don't think I look particularly great, but you know. But it's just, um, yeah. I, I often sort of sit and comprehend the fact that I've got to this age, and I remember thinking when I was about. 12 i remember my brother sort of saying well when the millennium comes you're going to be 21 or something and i was thinking what 21 that's so old i can't believe it i just don't understand where i'll be or who i'll what i'll be doing in 21 and now 20 years on you know from that even i'm still kind of bemused by the fact that i'm now i think i think what we can draw from all of this is that age is just a number until you realize you look like utter shit (laughs) And that's the yeah. third quote of the podcast. There you go. You can have that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to get that printed on like a sunset background on my wall just to look at. I'm going to get, a, I'm gonna get that tattooed on my ass as part of my midlife crisis. <laughs> it's true, though. It's true. Oh, yeah. oh dear. 
Oh, but it man. is. I mean, it's it's funny. Yeah. You've used the word grateful a few times, like, and I think that is a, a quite a powerful word and a quite powerful stance to be sometimes. Because I mean, as you say, like time is it is weird and it passes really quickly. But it is nice to be able to take a moment now and then and just look back and be grateful for the things you've done or the things you've got now. I mean, especially I think, in the current climate. Yeah, I think it's as you say. I think it's it's a, it's a, it potentially can be perceived as quite a pithy statement being grateful gratitude in general and i've always generally thought that you shouldn't be too grateful if you make your own luck and you work hard yeah but i think it's become more pertinent uh, a feeling or a word if you like uh, in the last year yeah. um with everything that everybody's had to go through um there are many variables and it's a broad spectrum of um of, of issues that people have had to deal with from um, grief to grief to mental health issues to loneliness and isolation yeah. really um, really unprecedented things and for a lot of people and so it, I think the way that I've got through it personally not that you asked the question <laughs> but is by trying to take some time and realise that uh, you know, to re- realize that I need to be grateful for what I do have, um, despite having, you know, my own issues with the lockdowns and the pandemic in general. Um, and it sort of goes back to what I was saying earlier about jealousy. Um, got to realize that some people have got it better than you, and some people have got it worse. Yeah, and that can. There's something uh, very grounding about that, and uh, you know, I get, it's also I've sort of learned to not get worked up about things I can't control no. uh, as I've got older, and um, I think that's a good lesson to to learn um, because it's it's ever ever so self destructive to start. Uh, trying to control things that you can't—it's—it's um, it, it's very destructive feeling. Um, so I'm super chill nowadays, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I just let well, it I gonna, well. I was going to. I just do. I just do me, and it's prosecco time whenever I want. Okay. <laughs> and I live. I laugh, and most importantly, I love. And what else is there? Yeah. Okay. Nothing. There's nothing else. What else is there? <laughs> it's as easy as that, guys. Well, I was going to point in the asked you, was there moments where you weren't, you didn't feel in control? And you um, didn't... No, not necessarily. But I do, I do think that I sort of, um, I like responsibility and I like um, leading things and having some control over my decisions and my work and things like that. Um, I do like being responsible for things or responsible for people and working in teams and hence my, you know, my job. And um, so, yeah, I suppose there is a need for some control somewhere. But once you realize that you can't control the things that are uncontrollable, then you're in a much better place. Um, much more balanced place in which to control the things that you can mm. control. I think that's a powerful way to be, especially if you are in the arts or are in the creative industries, because so much of what you do is is out of your control. 
Exactly. And, you know, and, and so much of it is um, based on rejection, <laughs> yes. you know, whether you're an actor or whether you're a writer, or, uh, I happen to be both. And my, my days are filled with constant rejection, constant rejection. And so as I'm, a lot of people in, who are actors and writers and in the arts, etc. So, um, and often, more often than not, you, you can't control that. So you have to learn to live with it and just acknowledge that you can't control it and try and move forward as best you can. Yeah, it's it's hard to take not to take that stuff personally as well when like most of the time it oh, is yeah. it kind very, of is personal. You know, you work in, you walk into a, a casting and they don't like your face and nothing you can't change your face and so you know you know, and that's that. I think yeah, I mean definitely it's um you can take it personally and I think I used to be a lot more sensitive than I am now. Um I lost my mother two years ago prematurely and quite quickly and that level of grief I think has made me much tougher, yeah. much less Sorry, sensitive, mate. more empathetic and more compassionate. And I, I have all, I, she left me with all of her amazing qualities. Um, and it's made me a more empathetic and compassionate person, but it's also made me a more resilient person and given me a, a thicker skin. And, um, yeah, I think, you know, going through something like that really does that to you. And hopefully it's something that um, will happen to a lot of people who've been through when we finally come out of this pandemic, yeah. that they will find that they are more resilient and prepared for what life throws at you. Well, this, this really got deep, didn't it? <laughs> it's what we do. It suddenly gets I mean, deep. <laughs> we, started, we started with full kit wanker <laughs> and now we're talking about real yeah. life stuff. Yeah, I it's it. what happens on our pod. It suddenly goes from <laughs> ridiculous to, to deep and meaningful. But I think I think the world actually at the moment needs a bit more compassion. It needs a bit more empathy. And I think, and mixed with a bit of resilience, I think actually those are three really important qualities that not just well, help you, you but know, help last, other people. Last March, you know, I felt so unified with what was happening. Yeah. The whole world, it was happening to the whole world. And yeah, I didn't film something I was supposed to film in March. And a lot, you know, I lost, lost my income and blah, blah, blah. And I didn't, couldn't get to see my family and all this kind of stuff. But as a society, we were unified. And then how did we end up eight months later, nine months later, 10 months later, so divided? Uh, and whether that was the intention of the government, divide and rule. Uh, but the divisiveness now is just a really, really upsetting and saddening. Mm. Um, and I think that's what's really, really getting to people. The clapping on a Thursday night is a distant memory. God, I remember, yeah, you know? I about that. You know, yeah. it's like... Where's all that unification gone and that union and wanting to get through this together? How did that all go to come to this, you know? Very sad. I mean, I guess you could argue that we were becoming a more divided and less nuanced kind of yeah. country prior to the pandemic. Oh, I and totally then, agree. Yeah. yeah and, and then we had obviously had the pandemic and that did bring people together and we did start to sort of 
ask each other how mm. we are and mean it. Um, but I think you're. I think you're right. I think that it's come full circle again. Maybe we've reverted to type. I mean, you know, I don't know. I, I hate to think that we that that, that is our type, but. Um, it does feel like we are returning to the time before the pandemic. Yeah, I mean, possibly, possibly it was my de- delusional perception as a lefty socialist <laughs> that we're all unified, but, you know, um, <laughs> yeah. we're certainly not anymore. No. We're more divided than ever. But to be honest, that's why we like doing this podcast, actually. And, and by the way, you are very much in the company of two other lefty socialists, so it's a, it, it's a huge echo chamber <laughs> yeah, yeah. inside this I, podcast. <laughs> Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. it's touch and go when one of them's got a double barrel surname, but you know, <laughs> I, I, I get it now. Yeah. No, I'm de- definitely a lefty socialist. <laughs> yeah. and, and East, East Sussex, potentially a red flag. <laughs> but, um, you know. <laughs> he claims to be a socialist, but. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's why we, we like doing this podcast, actually, because it does reaffirm a lot of times that we do all actually care for each other. And all the guests we come on do yeah. talk about that and how that is important to them. And I think I hope it's important for our listeners to hear that as well, that actually we are thinking about each other. And we do care, even if the noise that you see on social media and sort of the news and stuff says otherwise. Yeah, I mean, Twitter.com is a minefield, yeah. isn't it? I, I, I don't think it's got long left, really. It's, it's incredibly depressing. And um, you have to have a certain resilience to even be involved with it now. Mm. Ten years ago, 12 years ago, when I, was, when I first joined, it was joy. It was, you know, people just used to talk about why you don't see white dog poo anymore. <laughs> yes. Yeah, now it's like <laughs> that was such and, a big and, and issue. quoting things like you do you and um... yeah and quoting things like you do yeah. you and live laugh up and then you yeah. know spin to eight years on and some guy from Newcastle is telling me I should be hanged because I look a little bit like Ian Huntley it's like hang <laughs> on hell, yeah. How, oh, man. What, what happened here you know um, but anyway it's weird. people yeah. like I think I think talking about social media I mean I don't know how long you guys have got but that's a whole oh, that's yeah. another podcast yeah. I can do a part two if you want <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah it comes well, up I'm just going to say I mean we talked to a few actors obviously we talked to a lot yeah. of actors on the podcast and, and, and obviously social media is a bit of a is is it like you need to be on there because of your profile or you know what what are you using it for I you know, is it because you want to have be tapped into what's going on, or, or or do you feel it's a necessary evil because of the work you do? I don't feel it's a necessary evil at all. I think a lot of people do. Um, um, I don't. I I use. I'm only on Twitter. I'm not. I'm not on Facebook. And I never have been, and I'm not on Instagram, and I won't be. Um, Twitter I use for news and following funny people. Um, I very rarely tweet uh, nowadays because it's just not worth it. Um, yeah. And on a professional level, if I was to tweet about anything work-related, uh, whether I'm contracted to or not, um, it makes no difference to ticket sales or viewers wow. or anything like that. No difference whatsoever. Uh, unless it's about Gavin and Stacey. Because that's all they want to hear about. Yeah. So um, it, I, 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 I look at it a lot, but I don't use it for me to pro- for self promotion. I mean, I sort of loathe self promotion anyway, and I, I also have a 
oversharing makes me feel a bit queasy and I think uh, there's a lot of that on the, on Twitter. I often have the the number of times I've gone to tweet something and then put it in my drafts and then deleted it. I'd say it happens about 10 times yeah. a day where I think I don't, no one's going to care about what I say. Um, so I definitely yeah. get that as well. And also I think if you're putting yourself out there as like a comedian or something like that, whatever you tweet, even if it's not a joke, someone will come back and say, well, you're not fucking funny. Yeah, I know. And, you know, it's hard not to take that personally. It's a, it's a, it's the school playground. Yeah. Just online is what it is. Yeah. Um, uh, and uh, it's pretty poisonous in many ways. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. What keeps you on there? Just the fact that you can... Because I've, I've met, virtually met, um, so many people I admire, both in um, the arts and um, politics and things like that. You know, just people I've admired, I've got to talk to and, and sort of e-meet mm. and... You know, it's that's nice. Emi, that's a good one, isn't it? Emi, that's up there. That is... I bet you, Charles, I bet you love that. Don't you? Emi, nice to Emi. <laughs> that feels very. I've never that feels ever. Very ninety. I have never ever said Emi to anybody. Ever. Have you not? No. Have you not? It oh. feels quite late nineties. Okay. But I might. I might now. You should think I about might it. Now. You should think about it. <laughs> Everyone knows what it means. It means electronically. <laughs> means. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. I get what unlike, you're unlike email, which is actually short for easy mail. Oh, is it, is it really? No, of course not. No. I've absolutely <laughs> got you both where I yeah, want you know we said we don't cut stuff. You know that is getting cut. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, I've got you now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. I mean, I've had one of those days. <sighs> Where's well, you been acting? acting mate, my my, my brain's all over the place. Yeah. My mind's just. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You're still in character. <laughs> if only the character was a fucking idiot, then yes. Ah, <laughs> oh, dear. I thought that was just your stick. I'm just not going to reply to that. I'm just going to I'll let that wash no, over me. I think you should. I think you should. So, Matt, what's next? What have you got coming up? So, in five weeks' time, I'm shooting series four of... Uh, Agatha Raisin, which is a show I do for a yes. streaming channel yep. in uh, in the States called Acorn, and it's also shown on Sky. Uh, the MC Beaton, is it? The MC Beaton uh, yeah. penned the books, and they've been adapted into a TV show starring Ashley Jensen and me and other fantastic actors and dear friends now. We're six years into making that show so mm. that's the next thing so off to the Cotswolds um, to film that um, socially distanced mm. of course so I don't know how that's going to work out <laughs> um, is that the and, first bit of filming you've done in this time uh, certainly outdoors yeah I've done mm. various things on online um, for and little characters and stuff like that and stuff for people's YouTube channels and uh, Zoom things, you know. Um, but it's the first time I've been, I'll be back properly filming. Um, so, yes, that'll be interesting. Well, I'm sure it would be nice to be getting uh, back to it and doing it, though, wouldn't it, after? 
Well, uh, yes, I think so. I hope so. I'm looking forward to it. It's just there will be a lot of rules and regulations, quite rightly, which may, uh, you know, you know, some of you know, when you work with a cast for six years, you know, they become you become very close. I mean, Ashley is a really close friend of mine, and I can't give her a hug, mm. and I've not seen her for two mm. years. It's a bit, it's kind of, it's not great. Yeah. But um, no. as I said, it's I'm 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 very grateful to be working. Um, I've been writing lots in lockdown, and I've got um, a handful of scripts that are sort of moving forward. So that's that's quite exciting. And that's kept me busy. So um, uh, that's that's my plan. And then there's supposed to be a play uh, at the end of the year. Well, August, from August onwards to the end of the year, uh, I'm I'm supposed to be doing a play, but who knows what is happening with theatre? Mm. Uh, so I I've got to play that by mm. ear. But um, yeah, so I'm looking forward to going back to work. Uh, but um, it will be under very different circumstances, I think. Mm. Right, I say, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say about collaboration because obviously that's something that's featured a lot in your career. Collaborating. Yeah. Do you do you enjoy that side of the work? And obviously, you know, going back to like you say, going back to doing on the set of Agatha Raisin, it's something you've been doing for a long time. Yeah. There's a family unit there. Mm. Um, do you enjoy that aspect of of the acting life? Yeah, I love that. I love working in a team and collaborating with people. I mean, there's very, it's very, very rare actually that you work with an actor you really click with, you really have chemistry with and you can improvise and you know exactly what they're going to do and they know exactly what you're going to do. And, you know, that's a very exciting dynamic to, to find yourself in. And it's unquantifiable and uh, unpredictable when it's going to happen next. And it's happened very rarely in my life. Uh, I mean, you know, you, you will always approach any job with the same process and the same professionalism and you act with other actors and it's generally good. But there are this rare occasion when you have a special something with somebody, special chemistry with somebody. And um, Ashley is, is one of those people and, and we, you know, we get to improvise a lot and mess around with the script and try things out and play and that's really exciting I find that really exhilarating and when I write I write my, my main writing partner um, is Christopher Adlington who I was at university with and um, we've written a lot of stuff together I've only written a couple of things on my own a handful of things on my own and there have mainly been plays which is I don't quite know why I wanted to just write those on my own but Perhaps they're more personal. Um, but with my TV and film stuff that I've written, it's always been in collaboration. And again, that's a, a relationship I have, which is I find very exhilarating. It doesn't feel like work at all. Mm. Um, and, you know, as yet, it has earned me very little money. So it is done for, <laughs> it is done for love and with love. <laughs> um, but yeah, I do find it very exhilarating working, collaborating with people and working in a team, especially when it works. Mm. There's a buzz, isn't there, when you're working with someone that's on your page. Like It's like being at school again and meeting a new friend. Like There's a real sort of buzz about it. Yeah, being at school. Yeah, I mean, I didn't like school, but when you're rehearsing a play, for example, that's like being at when you're when you sit down and you do um, 
do your table work, as it's called, where you're, sit- you're literally just sitting and going through the play with a pencil and working out what everything means, what every line means and all that kind of stuff. You do it less so nowadays just because of them paying for rehearsal time. But back in the day, you used to do table work for a week or so. And that was just wonderful. Just like being back at school and very, very disciplined process, you know, of, of really getting into something that a very small number of people are working on. And at the end of that is this thing that you've made, which is, you know, absolutely insignificant to many millions of people, but very, very significant to you um, at that time. And I always like to, whenever I do a job, I always like to think that I learn something. Well, that's all my intention, that I learn and develop and hopefully get better, you know. And... um, yeah, there is a phrase actually. Here we go. <laughs> it's not you do you. It's not you do you. No, it's an old actuary phrase that they use about the three things you should you should take into to take into account when deciding whether to do a job. And it's something about learning and it's it's alliterative, so it all begins with the, uh, the same letter, but. It's basically money, learning, and oh, it's fun. not live life and love. Yeah, live <laughs> love and love. <laughs> Could be. <laughs> very good, very good, very good. That that should be in the trailer. <laughs> yeah, we'll clip that yeah. up. Yeah, that's that's got to go in the trailer. I mean, I don't want to lie there to you, there, but that has to be in the trailer. <laughs> I was going to say, is that? Some of the most exciting bits is when you're rehearsing, though. It oh, it's the, like that. When you're doing a play, it's the best bit. When you're doing a play, it's the best bit, yeah. Uh, I, I love doing plays. I love doing theatre. I absolutely adore it. But it's the three-week, four-week rehearsal that is just the best. Just wonderful. Um, so, yeah. It is, it's the... Just like creating something from... Not nothing, but, you know, just building something, building, building, building with a team of people, yeah. um, usually a small team of people, to create something that comparatively with television and film, very few people will see. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it can be very special, unless you're in something that's absolutely <laughs> shit and you've got to do 140 <laughs> shows. <laughs> then... Then it's horrible. Um, Have you had many of those? I've only had one. Oh, okay. That's oh, okay. Not bad. I don't know. Well, I thought it was shit anyway. I didn't have a nice time. But I guess that happened. That, ha- that happens. You live and learn, and, and love. sometimes love. Yes. <laughs> Well, Matthew, it's been absolute privilege to talk to you today. Thank you so much. We're not even much. talking about the times when my mind goes blank. We can do. Well, we, yeah. We, we, well, this, well, this is the prep that goes into this podcast. We just hope it comes up. Well, no, I was going to say, we, 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 well, it's about difficult moments. And I think we have actually addressed some difficult moments in your life, oh, which okay. without you even realising. That's how good we are. 
Oh, okay. I do have a problem sometimes with double nouns. My mm-hmm. mind goes blank with double nouns. Does it? Dressing gown, tea towel. There's always a beat before I say those really? words. Dressing gown, tea towel. Stick that in the trailer as well, because then at least it will have some <laughs> relevance to your format. Tea towel. And might I say, very loose format. <laughs> You're, it's always been You're the loose. first guest to come on um, and actually really unpick the lack of format on this podcast and really expose it to the world. <laughs> tea towel. Yeah, tea towel. Well, I have to say, maybe next time I can come on and be more. Yay! Hey! hey! <laughs> it's quite good. That is it? good. It's That's good. good. That's good. good. Un- unexpected. I wasn't ready for it either, so I liked being caught off guard. Oh, I know. That was, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that's, that's what I've been doing with my lockdown. <laughs> well, th- the thing is, Matthew, we, we normally end the pod by getting our guests to give their advice to our listeners on blank moments. So maybe mm. you can ah. help us with that. Okay. I can definitely help you with that. And it, it's actually, it goes back to um, a big part of what we were talking about during this podcast. Um, this very loosely formatted <laughs> podcast, if you don't know what I'm saying. Uh, we were talking about my days in stand-up. When um, we'd done our first gig, we were approached to do more gigs by a promoter in Manchester called Alan Anderson. And we asked him, and he booked us for lots of gigs after this first show. Um, and he really helped us kind of find shows and just get things moving um and so we sort of asked him for some advice as to what we should do and how we should proceed and he said he said one thing he said know your material know your material know your material like the back of your hand and then you'll be fine um and so we just rehearsed and rehearsed and rehearsed and rehearsed and rehearsed. Um, and of course, knowing your material generally stops your mind from going blank. And someone should definitely do a podcast about your mind going blank. <laughs> Unless the material includes the word tea towel. Because you guys aren't doing it. You aren't doing it. <laughs> But it, it has been a pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> it's been an absolute pleasure talking about everything apart from your mind. <laughs> I'm glad I spent those four minutes thinking about it before I. We don't like to stick to a too rougher format, you know, or too structured. We just like to, you know, no. let things flow. No, it's. Uh, no, it's been great, guys. Been lovely. Well, thank, thank you. It's you been an absolute pleasure been, talking to you. It's been wonderful. Really no, appreciate really it. Lovely talking to you too. No problem at all. Well, there you go, Matthew Horn. What a legend. What a nice guy. And also some really refreshing and interesting approaches to life and career. The whole not having too much ambition and sort of being happy with what you've got and not being jealous. And I mean, 
I can't do any of those things. <laughs> so I find, no, I was really quite impressed that. by and, uh, yeah, it. Was, yeah, very much so. Yeah, likewise. It isn't easy to do those things. Um, and I know you sort of pointedly asked yeah. uh, Matt how he does that. Um, and, you know, he sort of gave you a very kind of pithy answer. But I think, you know, it's in, it, it is sometimes just as simple as seeing mm. where what you've got and appreciating what you've got and where you're at uh and yeah. being present no, he clearly somewhat he's clearly done that for a long time and he's been working in showbiz for over 20 years and um that's clearly held him in mm. good stead and i think that's something we can all try if you're in that industry or any industry i guess really so um that was really quite eye-opening for me actually to, to hear that from him so um yeah great guy and, and also i mean the overriding message is just um you know you do you and just live, laugh, and love, and and I think those are teachings we can all, you know, live our lives by. Oh, I used to think UDU was quite nice. <laughs> it is, it is. It's just like cliched as hell. <laughs> In the wrong hands, it's not. <laughs> uh, no, and like I say, we, we were rightfully um, yeah. ripped at, at, at sev- several times during this uh, podcast, and uh, yeah, laid bare our kind of uh, mosaic a- approach to uh, to podcasting and that we you know kind of let things sort yeah. of just flow and um structure isn't of a, a large No, we like to see what happens don't we on the pod and, and to be honest yeah every episode we've had something good has happened and again today a lot of good stuff happened so that is yeah. we will continue to do that we are not going to become structured and you know change our approach and to be honest I think our guests like that I think they like they come on and they're having a chat and, you know, we're not here to press them on any particular subjects. We just want to hear what they think about life and work and stuff. No, and I would think uh, it was something that I said to Matt, I don't know if he really cottoned on to, is the fact that actually often we do find yeah, yeah. out about people's blank moments without yeah. them even kind of noticing almost. And um, I think there were several times where yeah. we were talking about difficult times or difficult moments. And uh, it's not always apparent because you're not saying, you're not pointedly saying yeah. that was a blank moment, but actually those things do come up without yeah i think that's the best way as well because you're you're it means you're more comfortable talking about it than if we've said talk about this you know i think hopefully it all comes out naturally and that's certainly the vibe that you and i tried to go for so um yeah well thank you to matthew for joining us and just being a legend and good luck with his you know future filming and projects nice to hear that you're sort of getting back to work and Mm. getting back with it i know it's been really tough for the acting industry at the moment so fingers crossed for him great if you would like to get in touch with us, you can. We are on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and you can contact us at... At BlankPod. Uh, or you can email us. At, no, theblankpodcast2018 at gmail.com. Brilliant. Seamless. I nearly, yeah. yeah. I thought you were going to do the tw- the Instagram and Facebook. but I did. Oh, I'm did not them all in one. at all. No. Do you know the reason I'm not concentrating? Because I'm thinking I, I need to do a plug here. Can I do a plug? Of course you can. And I know it's at the end of the podcast and no one's really listening at this point and i meant to do it in the top and i completely forgot but um i am in theory putting on a solo stand-up show my first ever solo show in june at, as part of the brighton fringe amazing down on the south coast yeah really exciting i'm about 50 percent convinced it's gonna actually happen <laughs> because the date's been moved already and obviously at the moment anyone in the entertainment industry is taking things i mean almost a day at a time but currently, I am booked in for Wednesday, twenty third, and Thursday, the twenty fourth of June, at eight pm at the Caxton Arms, 
which is a pub near Brighton Station. Um, so if you are down that way uh, in the world and fancy coming along to see my show, I would love it. Tickets are not available yet because I have not set up the link, but they will be, and it'll be like a fiver or something. It'll be pretty Mate, pretty that's cheap. my neck of the woods. I'll come. Yeah, I'd, Matt, I'd love it if you guys came. It's my first ever sort of... I've done two Edinburgh shows with other people, but I've never done one on my own, and so... Yeah, and it's, and it's going to probably be a bit of a work in progress as well, but um, it should be a lot of fun. So um, if it's okay over the next few weeks, I might send out that prom- promo again. And uh, yeah, if anyone's listening that fancies coming along, I would absolutely love to see you there. Um, yeah, and I'll be tweet. Man. I'll tweet about it as well and stuff. So fantastic. Yeah, well, fun. yeah, tweet about it through uh, blank odd as well yes we'll do we'll do i need to set up an actual link for tickets and mm. stuff but uh we will get the but yeah so it's mid-june at the moment so it's a while away um and if it still is happening <laughs> then i will keep people updated sounds but, exciting uh, man i think it'd be great so yeah if you're in the area and you want to come and see some good comedy or some mediocre yeah. comedy <laughs> or just um, some comedy just some comedy of any quality then <laughs> then come along please do yeah well thanks for letting me let me do that no no it's fine well it's not up to me mate it's uh I'm not in charge. Well, I don't like to take over. You know, I don't like to take oh, over. It's fine. It's fine. I'm not doing any comedy gigs, so I can't plug anything. <laughs> but um, if I ever do, I will use this forum to do it. Yeah. Well, I mean, in theory, people that are listening sort of enjoy what we do. So, um, you know, I'm hoping there might be people there that might want to pop along and see it. But, uh, yeah. Keep keep the 23rd of 22nd. What's it? 23rd and 24th You've already forgotten. Free. <laughs> <laughs> this is, I've got it in front of me here. the worst plug for a, for a 23rd show 24th. We'll see what happens. But yeah, keep it free for now. Just keep that um, whole week free and then... Keep June free. Yeah, just keep, keep June, June free just, and just, just hang around outside um, Brighton Station <laughs> in the hope that you might see Jim passing by and you can ask, Indeed. And you can follow exactly. him to the venue. There you go. Yeah, we can have a nice chat on the way yeah. to, to the venue. Anyway, let's wrap up the podcast there because that, that's enough promo for now. Thank you to for everyone for listening this week. Thank you to Matthew for joining us and thank you, Giles, for... Um, being you well likewise jim and thank you for the comedy Media Podcast.